Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Derek Taylor live from Regina and then hear him talk to a couple bombers one-on-one, Stanley Bryant and defensive back Desmond Lawrence, all coming up on the podcast. In Regina today, the news of the day, and I think the news of the week is going to be Zach Kolaris heading into the Great Cup game. Is he going to play? Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers, covering the Bombers in Regina for us this week. Your reaction when you did not see Zach Kolaris take the field at practice today? Well, one was to, to double take because uh, Drew Brown had his jersey kind of pulled and rolled up a little bit. And every once in a while, you'd look at what's the number six and go, is that eight? Because the number's kind of crinkled. And then you think back to the, the uh, about 10 minutes before practice started and go, did did I in fact see Zach out there kind of walking around? Or now am I making that up? And it was just Drew because, and didn't have his yellow jersey on. So uh, there's all that going through my head right now. But the, the one thing we can kind of take away from Zach wasn't at practice on this day is, okay, well, he's certainly not 100% then with that ankle injury. Because if he had been, he would have been out there. We wouldn't be talking about any of this. So we can reasonably conclude that he is somewhere between one and ninety-nine percent healthy. That's uh, we've we've taken a hundred percent of the mix, so one and ninety-nine. So we don't have a ton of information, but this is certainly they're they're not fooling around, right? They're not just going to hide Zach. Do you think this is going to be a story where by Friday we're just so sick of talking about Zach Kolaris's ankle? And by we, I mean the people that keep getting asked about Zach Kolaris's ankle? Absolutely. I think they're pretty tired of that. <laughs> Based on just how it went, because, uh, you know, they, they, they have a real message is, hey, we believe it's the next man up. Uh, we on the outside have a real message of there's no better player in the league than Zach Kolaris the last two years. And, oh, that's a real loss to your lineup if he if he can't play, but uh, yeah, this, this could very well carry on to, even if he pretend he, he gets on the roster when they release it on Saturday morning on the depth chart. And it says eight Kolaris game time decision. Well, we're just going to have more questions then, right? Until we see him uh, practicing fully, or he runs out of the field on great cup Sunday, we're, we're going to have questions and uh, yeah, I hope they're going to be ready for it. Listed as a DNP on the injury report today with an ankle injury. Uh, your reaction to what you did see, though, on the practice field today? Kolaris wasn't there. What did you see? Yeah, so uh, we saw Drew Brown uh, running the basically the first team. It felt like uh, Dakota Prukop more, got more action than I would normally see a number two quarterback. But that, I mean, I don't have a count on that or anything. So uh, just generally a feeling. The other 23 spots were all manned by the guy who was there for the West Set West final. So no changes other than that. Uh, like Dalton Schoen, who missed a couple days in advance of last week's practice week with a knee injury. He was out going uh, full steam ahead. Greg Ellingson, Rasheed Bailey as well. He was there. Malik Clements, who took a vicious cheap shot on the final play of the game in the Western final. He was back in his weak side linebacker spot and all of the defense looked exactly like it looked at the Western final as well. So uh, that's all very good to see. Um, questions of, hey, what about Demario Houston? Because he was a starting cornerback before uh, his injury in that Calgary game. Uh, Demario was still with the second team. So at least for day number one, and honestly, based on the play, there's not really a reason 
to bump somebody out of the starting lineup yet to get to Mario Houston in there. So yeah, there's uh, the rest is kind of calm blue ocean, but the, the Zach Kalar's part is everybody panic. Do you think he's going to play? What is your gut telling you on this Wednesday of Grey Cup week? I just would blanket uh, assume that any player who can even close to play would play in a Grey Cup. If you have to, like, just think of, I mean, and the situation, but just a, just a general Grey Cup to to get the chance to to play that one. Your whole life has been competitiveness, and a team can beat your team, and we're going to prove it. How many times that's gone on? I, I just can't believe a player like Kalars would miss a Grey Cup unless there's unless he's just hopelessly injured and and could really hurt himself more or is totally ineffective. So my gut would be Zach plays, but there's so much information that we don't have that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't back that too strongly with anything because it's, it's just a, a belief about players. And I mean, Zach loves playing football. You just, you talk to him about it and he loves football so much. And uh, I feel like everybody would love a chance at a third straight great cup or even a great cup. If you want to just focus on, this week's game so that's my gut but uh we're gonna need you know we probably won't learn much about tomorrow's close practice we're gonna need to see friday what's happening and then the depth chart when it comes out saturday morning to to really know is this possible just it adds a layer of intrigue to a game that would we normally what we'd i thought we were going to be talking all week about andrew harris and him going against his former team and bobbers going for history and now all of a sudden that that's all there still, but it kind of takes a backseat to the injury. Can the Bombers win without Zach Kolaris, or if it's Zach Kolaris plays but is compromised? They can, um, but it's much more of a coin flip in my mind than than what we have right now. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll pull it up while we're talking. Like The Bombers were a six-point favorite, which on a neutral field is a substantial margin between one and one and the other team uh to me just from, from the betting perspective uh Kalars would, would have to move that line four points five points into toronto's favor so now you're getting down to a coin flip proposition so every yeah it's it's a big deal drew brown at the bright side drew brown has some experience right they were able to get him a full game's worth of action against bc uh so this team that he would play on great cup sunday to me isn't as good as a team he faced back in week number 19. So you have that going for him. And, oh, he's got some experience from earlier in the season when he went into that Ottawa game, freezing cold off the bench, and led the Bombers' game-winning drive. Um, there's a chance, but, uh, I mean, Brown threw, did throw two pick-sixes against BC. So Toronto's no pushover. Winnipeg's not ruined if Drew Brown plays. But, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Zach Kalaris is the MOP. And any replacing him with anybody pick a starting quarterback in the canadian football league that's not say nathan rourke and to me that's a significant drop off from starting zach Kalaris. so uh, my thought on this is again we don't have the information about the ankle and we're probably not going to it's sports and it's the playoffs and mike o'shea is notorious for not sharing information about said injuries we saw him, yeah, limp off the field. He didn't have the chance to go on. It was a very quick tape job four minutes after the injury happened. A week of rehab, 
and the magic of painkillers, some kind of mixture of that with the, the toughness of a football player. I'm with you. Unless it's like a high ankle sprain, which I'm not a doctor, but I go. don't think that's what it was. Then I think he should be okay to play. But we'll just continue, I guess, the Bruder film analysis, analyzing the him walking on and off the plane yesterday, because that's all we've got right now. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm glad you said a high ankle sprain, because, I mean, a- anybody listening who's who's twisted an ankle or sprained an ankle uh, and, and has potentially felt the difference between those two, you go, one of the ankle sprain. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's fine. Like, just think of the worst uh, ankle sprain you've had as a, as a weekend warrior or perhaps listening maybe you played a, a you know a decent level of sport ankle sprains are yeah i can muscle through that high ankle sprains are everything hurts all those movements hurt and it just hurts in the most annoying fashion and there's no tape job in the world that that takes care of that so um what what is the injury i mean it, it can be we we would assume it's not the most benign form of an ankle injury uh so then it just goes up dramatically from there it's probably not the Carlton Agadosi, well, it's, we didn't see it that way, but the Carlton Agadosi broke his ankle against Edmonton. It's not that, but there's so much room in the middle there. And, oh, that's his plant foot. And if he's going to run for his life, because uh, he's so good at it, that's the one he's going to have to drive off of. And that's where his power comes from when he throws. And, oh, there's so much, there's so many ways in which it's going to, let's say this way, there's so many ways in which an ankle injury could damage the way Zach Kalaris plays. That uh, yeah, there's there's the there's the real possibility it's a problem. It's uh, yeah, it's it's just an uncomfortable situation as bomber fans. Just the uncertainty, and then it's this is the thing that that we've kind of been fearing right for a couple of years of when Zach was taking you know 2021. Hey, Great Cup champion, but what if he gets hurt again? And we were talking about something different as far as injuries, but. If you lose your starting quarterback, what what happens to your team? It's he's one of the guys that oh, it's it's going to be a real real problem and a real challenge. Looking ahead to tomorrow night, the CFL awards are tomorrow night. The Bombers have four players up for hardware. How many, or well, three players and a coach are up for hardware? How many are going to bring it home? Uh, according to my ballot, all four. Uh, let's see what's going to happen. Uh, Dalton Schoen should have been a unanimous rookie of the year. Uh, as I understand it, a couple votes are going to go the other way, uh, which to me, travesty. And I don't know what you're all voting for. If you voted for, uh, if you voted uh, on the other side of that, but uh, Dalton Schoen should be unanimous. Zach Kolaris, not unanimous necessarily, but he should be a runaway winner over Gino Lewis. I I'd, I'd say Mike O'Shea, and with a team that went 15 and three with all of those injuries should be borderline unanimous. To me, he's going to win it. The, the one I have a question about is how much Stanley Bryant fatigue is out there as far as the most outstanding lineman. Um, to me, tackle over guard is, is generally tackles are more, much more important than guard guard way easier to play than tackle. You're dealing with, with a different kind of athlete on those outside ones. And you generally don't have help from play to play. And as much as, as people have said to me, well, Stanley didn't have a good season. And I, I asked them to kind of reframe that and said, well, compared to what? And they would say, well, he was way better in 2019 and 2018. Sure. But 2018 Stanley Bryant isn't on the ballot. Compare him to this year's tackles and this year's offensive lineman. And to me, Bryant was the best. It was a close race 
with a couple other guys, even in the West Division. But Stanley was fantastic this season. Um, and Patty Newfeld said today, I've never played. He said, the, he said this. Pat Newfeld said, I've never played with a better player in any position than Stanley Bryant. And that is incredibly high praise when you think of some of the guys that Newfeld would have played with and currently plays with. So uh, to me, it's Stanley Bryant, but I'm, I'm in doubt. Some prominent voters have already kind of released their ballot and said, I went for Brandon Revenberg. Uh, I, I was firmly in Stanley Bryant's camp, but that's one where I go, uh, it might, it'll definitely be at least three, and I hope it's four because Stanley certainly deserves it. I'll play the audio from Newfeld coming up later on. Uh, just before I let you go, in terms of your quantifying an offensive lineman, because publicly, there, what stats are there for people to look at for offensive linemen? There really aren't yeah. any that are publicly available. The CFL public available stats is is really limited uh, in terms of what's available to access. I know you keep track of everything. Do you have any metrics to look at for ranking offensive linemen? Yeah, what what uh, what the uh, other voters and stuff will go for and what guys will sell themselves on is how many yards per carry did our running back get or maybe how many total yards did our running back get and how many sacks did we allow. And those are those are all fine, but you know, Calgary allowed 15 sacks this season because if you if you're determined to get the ball out of your hand as fast as possible, you're not going to take any sacks. If you block for a quarterback like Zach Kalaros uh, who one does everything he can and holds on to the ball to the very last second to make a play work. And, and you know, often is forced to scramble because he's still trying to make that play work. Your, your stats are going to look worse. So uh, uh, basically what I have is uh, Winnipeg, as far as a run blocking offensive line was the second best one in the Canadian football league. Calgary was number one. I don't know many people that could question that uh, Winnipeg was number two and it didn't reflect in their yards per carry because they didn't get as many long rushes from their running backs as other teams did. But Terrace over to me over 11, you know, 11 yards, that's no longer on the offensive line, but they were terrific at opening up the first and second level for Brady Oliveira to pound through. And then uh, Stanley didn't have the fewest uh, quarterback pressures allowed. Uh, and then he had, a, he, you know, there's question, quarterback pressures, holding penalties, both run and pass play. And then there's sacks allowed. There's a variety of kinds of sacks. But how many times did, an, did a defensive lineman beat you and, and sack your quarterback? So Stanley wasn't the best in all of those categories in the West Division. Uh, but he played more games than, say, uh, Derek Dennis. I think he played – he had three more regular season starts than Derek Dennis. And he allowed, I think by my count, five more quarterback pressures than Derek Dennis. So had Dennis played more, he would have allowed more. And had Dennis's offense – been as committed to hammering the ball deep downfield as Zach Kolaris was. Uh, I, I'd have to go back and check, but in the since the CFL started tracking, Kolaris was the deepest or second deepest passing quarterback, uh, certainly since I started tracking in 2015. Like They were committed. That has so much of the offensive line. So for me, yeah, sacks allowed, quarterback pressures allowed how you perform in the run game, even though we can't really isolate that for one guy, or at least I can't. Uh, those are the kind of things that I go to. And, and uh, yeah, Bryant comes out just fine when you consider what he's asked to do versus what other offenses are asking of their left tackles. What memories do you have of your first Grey Cup? Oh, first Grey Cup, 2012, Calgary versus Toronto in Toronto. Uh, I was young. 
what, my third year in Canada. Um, I think that year we had a semifinal game. Who we be? Oh, we be Sass with the lucky pass. Remember Rami Brown? Sorry, I can say lucky, but Rami Brown on the sideline. They went to BC and beat them. And I was just happy to get there. I mean, it was it was a crazy first two games. Um, they ran against Chris Jones and his defense, and, I mean, we didn't get the job done. But, I mean, it was a good time. But, I mean, that was probably one of the worst ones because that was my first one. I lost uh, a lot of tears, but, you know, I've learned a lot since then. What do you remember from that week? Because I, I kind of wonder, Grey Cup week, you're, you have a lot of requirements upon you. Did it, did it throw you at all? Were you were you out of sorts in, in, in any little bit? I think, yeah, because that was my first one, and then you're just so used to being home, being accustomed to things you do. Um, waking up in your own bed, cooking your own food and things like that. But, you know, Grey Cup week, you're on the run. You got to find things to eat. Uh, everything is bucked up. You got a roommate. So everything is just different. I'm, I'm going to assume that by now you're better at dealing with it. What This must this is five for you, right? Yeah, two this, two this, in Calgary, three now in Winnipeg? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. my fifth one. Yeah, um, this year, I mean, slow and steady. Um, I know what to expect. Um, it's not as bad. I mean, the weather, I feel like every great cup I've been in, the weather's got worse and worse. Um, so <laughs> we'll see how Sunday is. But, uh, I mean, everything is cool and, and copacetic for me nowadays. Uh, great cup week. So I'm just happy to be here, grateful. You know, it's always good to, to be able to play in this weather. Um, just opportunity each and every every year to play in the Great Cup the last three years. Your first Great Cup would have been indoors, right? Sky yeah, it Dome? was. Yep. Ah, Toronto, so and then 14 was in Dome, BC. Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, so then, yeah. 19 Nine. was Calgary, Calgary and cold. Hamilton, and Hamilton, and yeah, 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 Calgary, Hamilton, no, here, yeah, right? What is it, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Calgary, yeah. yeah. What does it take to be... I don't want to say good at Grey Cup week. What does it take to, to keep everything normal when it's forced to be abnormal? Uh, honestly, just try to stick to your normal routine, whatever that is. You know, I think some guys either, you know, from back home, they meal prep, so they brought their own food and things like that and try to stick to their normal schedule and routine, stretching, um, film study, you know, just, just doing whatever it required to be ready for Sunday. I think guys are locked in. Well, I know guys are locked in. I mean, and then, like I said, we experienced the same thing last year, so guys are kind of kind of used to how things go. Yeah, I, I suspect there's... There aren't nerves like yeah. this. Is the third for you, third time for a lot of guys, second and third time being here. Yeah, not nerves. No, not nerves at all. I think uh, after that BC game, we came into the locker room and it felt like you know we did what we were supposed to do. It felt like a, a regular season game. We won and, and now it's on to the next game. So we can go with that mentality and go ahead and try to win Sunday. Yeah, the, the reports are there wasn't really celebrating in the locker room after the BC win. No, nah, it was just chill. Like I mean, guys, we did it. I mean, we did what we're supposed to do. We know what's what's up, Taz. What's for next and now we're here, we got to do it. Two games for you, and I'll tell you what I think is I rave about you on the other side of this, but what do you think after a couple starts? Uh, I think I'm think i I'm finding my footing here. Uh, I like it here. I like the, the coaches here as far as like their philosophies and how they implement and put players in position to make plays like myself. Um, I'm loving it. I think, I, I think this, this defense allows me to, to showcase some of my abilities and, and make plays on the ball. <laughs> You played one regular season game, right? The one in BC in the second last week? Yes, sir. Did you know you finished fifth on the team in past breakups because of that one game? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't at all. Fifth on the team <laughs> after one game. You, it was really impressive. Yeah, it, it was a fun week. You know, a lot of the guys were just, that week were just telling me how excited they were to see me play. And it just made me feel good about being here. And I knew I could play. It was never a question of, in my mind if I could go out there and perform. At a high level, it was just all about going out there and doing it, and then doing it against the caliber of receivers that we faced that week, uh, Rhymes and 
and Hatcher and, uh, and the rest of those guys at BC, they're no slouchers. So it was just fun to go out there and compete with some of the best. Well, I, I, I didn't check this this morning, but by my count, all five pass-up breakups were against Dominic Rimes, yeah. who was the number two receiver in yardage and is a big dude and has been a good receiver for a few years. Like, that's... That's really nice. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it speaks to this team, uh, just the trust that they have in each person that, that steps out there on that field. And then me personally just going out there and trying to execute the plan that the coaches gave me. Um, but like I said before, I, I played in a lot of big games. I've played against a lot of good receivers, he, him being one. Um, it was just another challenge, and I embrace him. Bombers fans know you as new to uh, to us, let's say, but you have you had a significant playoff run last year. Right, yeah. I, um, I was with Hamilton last year and was in a lot of uh, key games uh, down the stretch late. Uh, kind of got banged up and was taken out by injury, but uh, was looking forward to playing in the Great Cup last year. So this feeling, being back, being with the Bombers this time, um, it's just a great feeling. I just want to be out there and perform at a high level again on Sunday. Forgive me, did you play in the Great Cup last year? I didn't. Okay. I didn't. You, I played, didn't. You, you, were, you were the starter in the East Final, right? I was starting East Final, yeah. got hurt uh, during that game, and then uh, my season was over after that game because of my shoulder. Okay. How do you feel approaching uh, then your first Great Cup? Uh, I feel great. I feel loose. Um, I feel excited. You know, everything that comes with it, just trying to stay uh, focused on the task at hand, not trying to let too many distractions come in and go out there and perform one more time with the guys. Seriously, fifth on the team in pass breakups in one single game, dude. That yeah. was, that was, it, was, it was a joy to watch. It, it, it was fun to be out there. It was fun to make plays on the ball. I still feel like I had a couple more I could have got my hands on, but, you know, you can't win every one. Uh, like we like to say, like they, they're professionals too, so they're going to make their plays. You just got to make more. There's something I see the feeling because you were, you were on both sides of a jump ball with Dominic Grimes. He, he, when he gets you on the first one, what are you, what are you thinking? What's your reaction? The first one I actually thought I had. Um, I, I, obviously, we know if you go to the ground and you both have your hands on the ball, they're going to give it to the receiver. But just me being there, not getting a good jump at all, and, and still being able to get up with them and uh, compete for the ball let me know that it, it was nothing to it. And then the last one, um, I kind of saw – we all knew where the ball was going, and I saw – I saw the ball leave his hands before he could turn his head around, so I just had to go make a play. Wish I would have knocked it down knowing the situation, but hey, you live and you learn. Yeah, that, uh, I feel like you're referring to the Western Final and, right. and intercepting the one. Right. You, you, uh, in the in the game, in the regular season game, he got you on a jump ball, but then you got him back on a jump ball. You broke up one in the other end zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, in the other end zone, it was just uh, when we played at BC, yeah. um, it was just uh, – I thought he was running a different route, and, and, I, and I got a good beat uh, once he got out of his break. Um, and I, I broke out of it, knew the ball was coming, and just had to be violent at the, at the catch point, which I was, and got the ball out. Yeah. With your interception, you said you, said you feel like you should have knocked it down. Yeah, I mean. That's, that's kind of got to be hard, though. Yeah, as a DB, you know, you see the ball in the air. You just want to make sure the, the receiver doesn't catch it by any means catching it or knocking it down. And yeah. me seeing the ball come out so early and him not even having a clue where it was, I just felt like I had a good jump on it. Uh, but knowing the situation is key. Uh, we went, we got away with the win, so that was the most important thing. But, uh, yeah, I'll take the pick. But next time, uh, Coach Tony to knock it down. Yeah, spike that into the stands <laughs> or something. Yeah, yes, sir. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you liked what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the